I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably be lost for words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words DraftKings podcast. I'm joined as ever by jubilant and jolly Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey, I'm definitely jubilant and, and jolly today, uh, even though Scotty Scheffler ruined another big tournament that I was looking forward to for you know an entire year and he just completely ruins it and it's unwatchable by the back nine on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, one, I don't think, do you ever use the word jolly in the States? No, but I enjoyed using it right then. Do you ever use the word jubilant? Uh, no, I, I've seen it like written more so than I've actually heard people say it. I mean, we don't use it really over here. That's just okay. me. <laughs> but, like, I just wonder whether like it even comes up. Like I know you've got like Jolly Ranchers, but I don't know. It just kind of stops there. Yeah, um, pretty much. But yeah, no, I think interestingly on Scotty Scheffler, like it's not his fault that he made the event boring, right? And yeah. there's always a danger of it. I think we both kind of spoke to the fact that we'd actually take Scheffler over like Rory and, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely felt fine about what we said about Rory. I think it was, you know, almost inevitable. And the kind of the tweet I put out the weekend was like, I hate when they keep saying at his best, he's the best. Like, it's just an irrelevant benchmark because any one of them should win at their best because they shouldn't come up against one another at their best. It just doesn't happen. You can't all-time it. And if if we ever get an all-time showdown where they're all playing their best in the final back nine at Augusta, I still don't think Rory's going to win. Yeah. I, I still think it could be Ram or Sheffield because I just think mentally they are better in that situation. Um, I think Rory has <clears throat> maybe a higher gear than others, and he can and he can pull off shots that others can't because he can see shots that others can't. But he just wants to always play that. And when you watched, I watched a little bit of the early stuff on Thursday. Not not one of those three golfers played their best stuff on Thursday. Like they genuinely struggled, and the difference was the Sheffield. I think did he shoot two under on the first day, something like that. He was yeah two under. I think Ram was one under or two under as well before he withdrew. Like whereas Rory was four over. And this isn't just a pure bashing Rory thing, but it just I think it actually speaks to how good Scheffler and Ram are at the moment, as opposed to maybe what I think about Rory. Yeah, and actually. I think Tommy Fleetwood said this last week, and it was an it was an excellent quote, just saying the best players are the are the guys who play best when they don't have their game. And Rory yeah. isn't that guy. No, and and I don't think he's I don't think he's ever professed to be. And I, I I just can't believe. I think most of like golf Twitter sees it and agrees with it. Like everything I kind of got back, there was no one pushing back saying like, uh, no, you're wrong on this. That he's the best. Everyone kind of agreed with it. But in the commentary, you kind of hear, oh, you know, Rory's. Rory is the undisputed number one when he's playing his best. And it's like, yeah, but it's irrelevant. What does that happen one week a year? And it doesn't happen. It hasn't happened at the biggest tournaments for eight years. So it's basically irrelevant. Like it happened once at the players. Great. Um, you know, and it's tough. Like you said, even if you do grant that premise, which is a silly premise to begin with, it still probably isn't true. No, because <laughs> because I just don't see how Scotty Scheffler, his best gets beat. And maybe no, it's a bit of a recency bias, but I mean... Because I actually think he's even a little bit further ahead than Rom. It, it feels like it right now, and it probably is recency bias. I'll still take Rom just because I always um, like to bash people when they overreact too much to something yeah. happening. But like I could, it's, I would definitely entertain the argument that Sheffield is better than Rom. But I do, th- I, I think they're one and two, and like, I think you know one, two, three is is Rory. But I think you could even say there's even a little bit of a gap between two and three right now. I do. So I think there's a gap between. 
I think that Rahm and Sheffield you can argue either way, and I think there's a definitive gap to Rory, and I think there's an even bigger gap between Rory and the fourth. Like, a, yep. like absolutely fine with that. Um, and it's great. It's, it's great for us that we have these three players playing the way they do. It's great that they're kind of taking advantage of all these events. Uh, I think I looked at there was like a stat of when Sheffield and Rahm have played together this year. I think only one person's actually won. Uh, maybe was, yeah. it like, was it Homer? Maybe. Uh, yeah. Sorry. But it's it's good for golf. It's good that the best players are playing the best stuff. It's great for Sheffield. It's definitely great for Ted Scott. I think he's earned nearly four million dollars since moving to Sheffield. Uh, it's so it's, bad for my bank account, though. It's not. Yeah, it's not good for anyone's bank account because <laughs> I think everyone just wants to take on these favourites, thinking they can't keep winning, and they do. Um, so actually, probably these kind of tournaments, like the Valspar Championship, um, are a good opportunity to actually win some money. Yeah, bet on some losers and see how it goes. <laughs> or do we just do we just have a rule now that we just have to put these three guys like when we have a lineup next time, match play, but maybe so match play is a bit different. Maybe the next full field event where they're all playing is that going to be the Masters? Is that the yeah. Next? So, I mean, you wouldn't be making cards, I guess, without those guys on it anyway. But let's just say the next elevated event, do we have to just play one of them every time? Yeah, yeah. You've almost you've just got to pick which one. The the question yep. isn't going to be anymore. Can you go balances? Which one is going to be the one? Of the two or of the three? That's of, the question. Yeah, I guess. Of the two, right? Of the two, I think. I think so. Yeah, I think it's of the two. I mean, not that you can't play Rory too, but I think like right now, just until proven otherwise, these elevated events. I don't know if it's. I wonder if it's money motivated, but like not these guys didn't want to win money before, but oh. it just seems like they're not letting anybody else win now. Hundred percent. Like I've, yeah. I've said this for. For a little while now, in, in different little tweets and stuff, they care more because it does mean more. Mm-hmm. And like the Bay Hill suddenly means more. There's only so many people that give a shit about Arnold Palmer's legacy, and that's not a bashing Arnold Palmer. He's he's an absolute legend and deserves the respect he gets. But not everyone is motivated by that. Not everyone's motivated by winning in front of Tiger Woods at Riviera. But they're all motivated to win the biggest purrs of the year, and that's what they all are. So, and the fact that. Whereas before you'd enter those tournaments, then you wouldn't be pit up against all of the best players at once. Every single one of them has been against the best players. So there's just there's just always an added incentive at the moment. It's, you're basically playing a major every time. Yeah, it's, yeah, you are. Uh, it'll be nice. And like we talked about this with the players, that the players lose this luster because now you're getting the same field you get for the API and Riviera, and it's not the best field in golf. And it, it, it basically just felt like an elevated event. Yeah, I, I almost I called it an elevated event. I, I, maybe it is, I don't know, but it, it didn't feel any different to me than Riviera or Bay Hill did. No, and and, and like I caught a little, there was there was a little bit of debate about that when I said it. Like, do you lose anything for it? Um, and some people said the players will always be the players, and I respect that. Like, I'd love to feel that way. I'd love mm-hmm. to be the person that tunes into the players, going, nothing has changed for me. That'd be that would be amazing because I, I wanted to feel that way. I just didn't, and I. I guess a lot of it's to do with the fact that Scott Sheffield I felt was running away with it and I had no interest. I think a lot of it was the fact that I bet on minimum leads to Mr. Cutting in any one tournament. Like I think there's multiple <laughs> factors uh, to it. And I had no one in I had no one in the running and this is <clears throat> this is the age the age old argument, I think is the word I'm looking for, that does betting kind of ruin your perception of golf? And I think it does. Like if you haven't got a bet in the running, then you probably care less about the golf tournament than you should. Um but in my defence to that, or my retort to that, is I only have an interest in golf because I can bet on it. I wouldn't yeah. just watch golf for the sake of watching it. Yeah, it's, I, it, well, it's funny because I started betting because I liked watching golf for the sake of watching, but now yeah. if I had to go back... You wouldn't. 
and and also like in america you haven't been able to bet for a long time especially in obviously massachusetts has only just been legalized but there's always been DraftKings or FanDuel or whatever to yeah. kind of make it more interesting. I don't think any like I can't imagine the person that sits there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday watching every minute of golf with nothing riding on it. Yeah, I mean I've been betting illegally since I was 16 years old, so, <laughs> so I haven't been not betting it. But I'm sure there's some people maybe uh, you know who are more law-abiding citizens have. But um, yeah, it, it is tough and it does, it does influence it. Like I had everybody in this week going into it in the top, going to the weekend. I, I wrote up six guys, five were in the top 20 Yeah. and I thought, you know, did I think Tommy really had a chance? No, but I, I liked where he was. Um, so I felt good. And then all of a sudden, like he, he Scheffler started chipping in, he pulled shots out of his ass. Like no one I've ever seen. Like, yeah, you, people want to say Spieth when he was on his run, but, but Scheffler's different cause he doesn't spray it like Spieth sprays it. I think I think with Scheffler, it's because he does it in such a calm, controlled manner. You don't get as frustrated with it. Whereas Spieth would like make a bunker shot and go mental, so you'd be like, oh, "It's just typical Spieth." Or he'd make a sixty footer and he'd be shouting at it halfway down the down the line, saying it's got to go in or whatever. Whereas Scheffler just puts it in the hole and that's it. I think he's like a robot. Yeah, he is. Um, it's quite funny when he does that. Have you watched a bit where he's on full swing where he's going to get coffee? Oh, and he didn't. He doesn't drink coffee in the, yeah. the days. He doesn't drink coffee on any days, any tournament days. And then they're like basically saying, "Oh, they they must have just got him to walk at a certain pace with his coffee for TV." It's just, that that is how I feel about Scotty, and that's fine. Like he, he's just he's a professional. He's a professional golfer who happens to be recorded. It's it's not his choice to play up to it or not. Some people see it as their job to play up to it, and some don't. And I I admire him for that, to be honest. Um, yeah, he seems like a really genuine good person, but he he bores me to death on the golf course. Yeah, it bores the shit out of me. There's, no, there's nothing yeah. exciting about his game. Like, um, probably the most exciting thing is the fact that his foot looks like he's going to slip every single time he swings a driver and somehow yep. gets away with it. Um, but I guess his scores are exciting and his runs are exciting. Yeah, I and I, one last thing I'll say about that, that week. I, I have a real problem with the way they set up the course over the weekend, especially on Saturday. I mean, Friday, Thursday and Friday it played... <laughs> very difficult and um saturday was complete birdie fest everyone was going low everyone was shooting six seven eight under and it just completely ruined the tournament in my opinion and well, i ho- also he broke the course record didn't he yeah he broke the course record just after barely making the cut but like the average round was like five or six under and like it, it just it, it ruined it for me I, I don't like those type of events and it also i think you ruined the integrity of the event when Friday, you got to stop early, and you had the, everyone on the back nine there. You had Scheffler on the back nine, go ahead, running, going going to 15 or wherever he was going, playing some tough holes in the wind. Instead, he gets to play it in the calmest, easiest day. He gets five holes on the easy day, and so does another group of people. A lot of the Homa, a lot of the people who ended up in the final three groups were the guys who played that last stretch uh, of their second round on Saturday morning when the conditions were easiest. And I don't think that's fair. Yeah, no, I agree. And they've got to just get to the point. I, why are they struggling so much to get? three rounds now i don't get it i don't what's i think it'll be better from now on because you turn the clocks back but yeah. here's the thing 70 man fields suck but 154 man fields suck too like why don't we make every field 120 yeah but i also just don't remember them having even at this time of year before the clocks went back them having this problem getting through rounds it just seems to be they can't get through a round at the moment yeah i, I, I blame aim point play. aim yeah it probably is aim point um pace of play uh 
is, is getting worse. No one really gets, you know, and, and people, I think Scotty plays really slow too. Uh, now, now they're going to roll the ball back and just make it even longer because people have got to play the holes longer as well. So it's only going to get better. Yeah, it's, it's a problem. There's a lot of problems going on. The TIO thing is a big problem for me. Like people like, oh, if you, you want to bail out, you just blast it out of bounds in the tent and then get a free drop and get yeah. guys are doing that all week long. We're getting their second shot. We're blowing it out into the tent. And then the third shot that have a little pitch for a birdie. I think it was, um, who was in the lead uh, earlier in the tournament? I think through like the second round. Um, Minwoo Lee. No, not Minwoo. Uh, a bum. Like end of the f- b- early end of the first. Smotherman. No, not Smotherman. It was somebody. Um, I forget who, but he he was like just hanging. It was a guy you knew was gonna fall off. Oh, Chad yeah. Ramey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he had like a free drop, and he got it, it made a tough shot into an easy birdie. Just like if you're professional golfers, and we talk about how the equipment. Enables you to play, to hit the ball so straight and control the golf ball so well. If you blow the, it into the rules, tent, yeah. give him a penalty. Yeah, it's it's the rules that, that are strange. It's like when everyone had to go to speed for saying he was going to play that shot left-handed. Yes, he's gaming the system a little bit, but also that rules just shouldn't be in place. No, <laughs> so just don't imagine have another sport like in a rule like that. It makes no sense. It's like uh, the funniest thing I heard the other day was uh, I think I was listening to John Peterson. He was on a video on YouTube, and I've, I've kind of thought it myself before, but never really vocalised it. You know, like Zach Johnson just went through that stage of just hitting the ball by accident every single time off the tee. Yeah, golf, yeah, hit the... golf is the only sport where you can just go, oh, yeah, I didn't mean that. Yeah, it's all about intent, right? And it's like intent <laughs> no, can be that manipulated. A, that was a practice swing. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> you look pretty ready to go to me. Uh, as long as you go gosh darn it after it and, and kind of roll it down yeah. the line, everyone believes you. But um, yeah, I guess we've kind of put golf to rights a little bit there in, in the same thing. But after all of that, we still come back every week. We still enjoy betting, putting DraftKings lineups together, etc., etc. And that's what we're going to do again for the Valspar Championship. I must admit, never a betting show. We still talk about it probably too much than we should. I had a really time bet- tough time betting this week. It, it's tough. Yeah, it's very tough. Didn't it's, enjoy there's like no one to bet. Didn't, yeah. enjoy, didn't enjoy betting at all. Uh, normally I get excited. And that's what makes it so sad when I get to the weekend and there's no one in contention. But like... I've, I've had to pull the trigger on Davis Riley. I've had to pull the trigger on Justin Serve. I've had to pull the trigger reluctantly on Gary Butland. Um, it's like, like folding laundry. Yeah, like what am I doing? Oh, am I just doing this for the sake of doing it? Um, but here we go. So I think I think actually DraftKings is, is a little bit more exciting uh, in that aspect and just kind of putting the right things together. But when it comes to the Valspar, what are you looking for? I mean, the obvious answer is that we're just looking for ball strikers that are not going to get horrendously frustrated by some bad bounces i guess yeah i think this course especially this week is going to play really difficult i think copperhead kind of really loved the fact that they were one of the more difficult courses on tour and i think the fact that that sam burns kind of tore it up the last two years one um was definitely due to the conditions was, was really soft that week yeah. uh, i was on keegan when he, keegan came in second to burns that was pretty painful as well um but i think they're going to make a concerted effort to make it a little more difficult so they're raising the rough up three quarters of an inch they're squeezing in the rough around the greens a little bit um so i think you know you need to have a good short game because there's gonna be people missing greens and it's gonna be difficult up and downs uh and then i think you'd have good control of the golf ball off the tee um and you know look at paul casey like the reason why burns is maybe a little different mold but the way paul casey plays the course is the way that i would anticipate um a guy this week someone's really accurate good control good good approach numbers um, and has some hands around the green. 
when you look at so I think it was 2016 there was some pretty major major changes to the course and since then we've had three winners Adam Hadwin Paul Casey twice Sam Burns twice and the runners up in that time have been Patrick Cantlay Tiger Woods Patrick Reed, Jason Kokrat Louis Stazen Keegan Davis Riley pretty obvious what we're looking for here we're looking for decent drivers of the golf ball um, that have strong approach play and can tidy up around the greens when they need to and they inevitably are going to have to um, this week Par fives have been really important over the last couple of years. Do you think that changes now that they're going to try and make it more difficult again and it'll be more focused shift to par fours again? Or do you think you still need to take advantage of those par fives the most? I think you still probably need to take advantage of the par fives, but like guys going to do it in different ways. Um, Burns just basically just tore up the par fives when yeah. he won. Um, but I think it's going to be more of, the, more of the other way, the way Casey won it. That's what I'm envisioning this year. Yeah, so if we look at when Casey won, he was he actually led the par five scoring the first time, was fourth the second time, and then Burns has gone one two in par five. So maybe it's just going to always be important. Yeah. Um, par threes is kind of a bit of a mix, but par fours generally seem to be quite important. Uh, Burns ranked third last year, sixth the year before. Casey was twelfth the first year, fifty fifth the, the twenty nineteen year, um, which is really random. But I guess the other thing is. How much focus do you put on this as a course form golf course? Is this one of those ones where you do lean into course history a little bit more than others? It's a good question. Um, I would maybe say no because it is volatile where I think a guy can just miss the cut because of the difficulty. You can make a big number and miss the cut. Yeah. So I, it's almost more like last week, but not quite as much as last week. You know, somewhere in between Bay Hill and last week in terms of the importance of, of course history. And I was just thinking, well, I really miss Paul Casey. I do miss Paul Casey. I've better him this week on live. Um Interestingly, I think I think with this, so I kind of put stock into the course history because when you look at it, four different players have won eight of the 21 renewals here. I think it's something ridiculous like that. There's, there's not been that many renewals at this event anyway. It's only been around since 2000. It's missed two years in that span as well. And four players make up eight of the wins. So there's a bit of course history there, I think. But Gary Woodland won it on debut. Mm-hmm. I think if you're good enough to win on debut, you, you can't. I mean, Davis Riley could have won last year so it, it can be done but i think as the years go on i think davis riley's record will be consistently good at valspar so i think if you're the right course fit you mm-hmm. can do it on your debut but i think you i don't think you're the best way to word this i don't think you can just be in good current form and be unsuited to the test and do well here yep i i think that's well said i agree with that do you think you need to be in great form to win here no, I think you need to have shown something. So, for example, let's say a Smotherman showed a little bit of the players last week and he played well here on debut, you could probably go with him. Um, because I think I think a lot of this is going to be mental. So if you've got good memories here, then great. Like, did Sam Burns show enough last week at TBC Sawgrass to suggest he could come a three-peat? Probably. I don't think he's going to, but I think he that in that sense that He's shown one good week enough to to come and contend here, is how I would put it. Yeah, because looking at Casey, so when he won in 2019, he was third at WGC Mexico, then he took a couple weeks off, and he was missed the cut at the players, and then won Valspar. Um, the so other time... I think, yeah. is, it, is it the players? Like, if you've missed the cut at the players, I think you can forgive it. If you've missed the cut at a Bay Hill or a Honda coming in, I wouldn't see it as such. Maybe. So we're not ruling guys out based on what they did last week? No. I, th- okay. I think the players is way too volatile. Um, and like you said, you should probably use this one as 
going forward. Like, let's, let's not rely too heavily on a miscut or a really tough golf course. But I think there's there's some players, like, for example, David Lingworth makes the cut here every single time he plays it. He doesn't play great, but he makes the cut. So I think there's a way to be consistent here without being brilliant as well. So that there's yeah. definitely um, elements to it. All that being said then, so, for example, talking about current form and, and do you have to be in good form to, to win here, Justin Thomas, 10th, 18th, miscut, 13th, 3rd here in five starts, but is playing awfully. Uh, I don't think he can overcome that. No, I I think there's something up with him. I don't know what it is, but he seems like he's completely off so far this year. And he um, he also, he says he loves the course, and history would indicate that he does, but I don't, like like we just talked about, I don't think you can overcome you know, something being off with your game when you're going to a difficult golf course like this. Also, don't think he's the ideal course fit for it. I know great with his irons and wedges and things like that, but I think he has that ability to be slightly erratic with his tee and tee ball, and that's going to be a big factor. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a no on him. He actually looks like he's going to be, generate some ownership, which I'm a little surprised about. He's looking at like about 20%, which is the highest of the guys above 10k so that's definitely no for me i think that's because people just don't know what else to do like they yeah. just let's cling on to the most talented player in the field um which is why i just think spieth is closer i think spieth has got you know he's got the win here already he's got arguably as good a record at the golf course as um justin thomas why would you not play spieth he's showing far more life than thomas is okay he's still got his issues in contention but I see no reason to go Justin Thomas over Jordan Spieth. Yeah, I'm not going to go with either of them. Um, I'm going to fade the entire 10K range. Or there might, there's one guy maybe, I might play. Maybe but, Fitz. Yeah, maybe Fitz. Um, but I don't know. I don't. I don't see a reason to go to Spieth or Thomas. I, I could definitely. I can definitely see. Sorry, everyone. That was my son there. Um, I definitely uh, could see myself, you know, playing Fitz just because of the ownership, but. Um, I don't know. I just think it's going to be volatile. I don't. I, I think just like our last time we saw, you know, the Honda Classic, we're going to have a guy in, in the mix and win who may, might not be you know, at the top of the board. I think we're due for one of those weeks again. Yeah, I, I'm pretty fine with kind of skipping Burns in the sense that I think you need him to win at 10-2 to make everything else make sense. And I don't think he's going to win three years in a row because when you look at what Paul Casey did, he finished 21st when he was going for the free beat, and I don't see why Burns would... Uh, eclipse that. That's, that's certainly not to say that he wouldn't, but putting stock into kind of history, it seems very, very difficult to do. There's a reason it's so limited as to how many players do that. And I think Fitz makes the most sense at such a discount from Thomas and Speed. I worry about him still with the injury, but maybe less strain on him here with, with less drivers, etc. Yeah, it's a good question. The only thing with Burns is he's coming in extremely low owned. Um, because I think everyone's seeing the same thing. He's not really playing that well. He's probably not going to win three times in a row. I'm not going to do it, but he, it is a nice little pivot play if you're you're into the game theory. Um, Fitz, for me, the, the health is concerning. Um, I don't know. Do, I mean, do we think he's there's something still going on? Like it almost reminds me of the Hideki situation where I don't feel comfortable playing with him. Well, it just feels like it, it's a long-term injury that isn't going away. Like when, when you hear about Hideki, it's week to week whether he's going to be any good or not. They said... I wish I kind of read this before I bet on him to miss the cut last week, but like they said, he had been able to practice pain-free for the first time in however long, and I think if Fitzpatrick has been able to practice pain-free and play pain-free, there's no reason to think that he won't play well. It's just you don't hear those reports really until it's too late. 
Yeah, I, I think that's probably it. Um, but for him, I don't know. Maybe maybe he's fine. Um, so he's a guy, only guy to consider above 10K. I, cause, but I'm really thinking about going balanced, especially with the 6K. It's like extremely weak. Could could you just? Is there an argument to say that you could start Burns and Fitz and just shoehorn things in? So I've gone Burns, Fitz, a guy at seven eight, and left myself with three spots at seven three. Like if there's enough in the as we come along in the in the sevens that we like. That's a doable option. Yeah, there's plenty in the sevens that I like. I just don't really love the sixes. Um, so if I you don't have those Burns, two guys and, and ignore them. Yeah, I mean if you don't like Burns, it's, it's a mute point. But like if if there's someone out there that wants to play Burns and wants the safety of having Fitz, I think he is doable this week. There's something I, I, I'm considering doing something very similar, but just going Fitz Fleetwood. Yeah, no, I get that. I'd also I'd push back and go. I'd go Fitz um, and Hadwin. I mm-hmm. think that gives you a little bit more room, and I don't see much more winning upside if any for Fleetwood over Hadwin. What do you like about Fleetwood? Is it just you like Fleetwood? <laughs> well, you we said this last week, and he, ended, he played well. He, he was did. a great play at 7,800. He was. Um, and I was but... wrong about, what did Pendrish do in the end? That was funny when Mike pointed out on Twitter. It's funny. When he said that to me, I, I, so much had happened in between, I didn't even know which side of the debate I was on. It's just so... it's just the way you said, like, oh, I like Pendrish. And I was like, why? He's like, because of short courses. Like, is that it? And yeah. I feel like it's almost, but at least with Fleetwood now, we've seen 20th at Rivera. 27th at plays where he should have finished higher. Okay, he didn't do what he normally does at Bay Hill, but there was some encouraging signs. So we're now at least got a couple of events behind him that we can kind of go, this is a good golf course for him, and he's playing reasonably well. 16th here on debut last year. Should be pretty good for Fleetwood. Yeah, like you said, you want to see the guys who, like, they can play well on debut here, but also, like, if the course suits them, you know, then that that's what that's what matters. And I think the course will suit him. It does suit him, and he showed that in his first start. But also, last week, he gained five strokes on approach. You, you mentioned last week, he's a guy who, sh- who shows it coming. Yeah. That's the most strokes he's gained on approach since the Honda Classic 2018. So that's what I need. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's the only way I get back on Fleetwood, is if he starts putting those performances. Because it's like he's Morikawa light. I don't think he can succeed without showing some of his eyes. And to the point, so is like JT. Like You do see it uh, with them. So if, if Fleetwood is now... If that's not an anomaly and that is where he's at, then he's a great play for this golf course. And I was, I also like it. It looks like it's gonna be pretty windy this week. I think it's gonna be a single-digit winner. Both things that I really like about him this week. And the last thing I want to say is, you know, whose career does he kind of mirror so far? Paul Casey. Right. To, to me, yeah. To me, it does. Right. A guy who. who he was like, yeah, he's great. He wins European events, and he actually pops up in majors and top fives in majors, but he doesn't really get it done. And he came here and won twice. I think they're a similar skill set type of player. Um, did so I could see did him... Casey kind of, because he didn't have many wins, but didn't he win one in like 2009 or something? Like get yeah, one he won off. the two. Th- yeah, the 2009 Shell. He used to yeah. But... So I just, I just that would be the only difference, right? Is it, it, yeah. He hadn't, he hadn't gone that long extended period. I mean, he won his first European event in 2001, wins that in 2009. He's probably his best golf, I guess, came between 2006-2007. So it didn't, it didn't take him forever to get that first win. That would be the only difference. But it's certainly interesting because there's no reason why Fleetwood couldn't still go and have what... I mean, what's Paul Casey's career? Three PJ Tour wins, 15 European yeah. Tour. So, I mean, what's Fleetwood on? Maybe seven on the European Tour right now? There's no yeah. reason why he couldn't get six on the European Tour right now. He's had two playoff losses as well. So... I guess maybe asking him to win nine more times on the European Tour is actually probably less likely than winning three times on the PJ Tour total. 
Yeah, and like both had some little Ryder Cup history. Both um, really flashed in major championships, but didn't win. Like they they were always kind of in the mix. And he seems they played better on the bigger stage and you know the bigger events. Um, both small English guys, right? And when you look, yeah, when you look at you know he's he's beaten Dustin Johnson, the Abu Dhabi. He's beaten. I, I guess it's just. He's probably had less exposure. I think he's just been less motivated to be a PGA Tour player than, than Casey would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably it as well. Everyone kind of digs in him a little bit, and I do to a certain extent. Like he's never broken through on a PGA Tour, but what does he play like two or three times a year outside of the majors? Um, yeah, he's going to win it this year, but it'll be Florida, right? Yeah, he said that himself. I think he said like, "Yeah, I feel like that," and basically every single English player that comes from the DP World Tour feels that way. So. You're, you're convincing me on Fleetwood. I like it. And I think you can start... I'd almost just start Fleetwood Hadwin. I really like Hadwin this week. Yeah, I, I, I like Hadwin. Um, Going to be pretty popular. Uh, but so is Fleetwood. So probably similar ownership there. Um, Rose right in that mix too in terms of ownership. And I think Rose is actually a pretty safe play as well. Um, yeah, I'm, I was going to say that. Is is he safe? It, is it? Is that one of those things like Keegan last week? Everyone said this thing. Yeah, like I was so off Rose until last week, and now I'm ready to be fully back in again. But like Keegan's a perfect example. I didn't see a possibility where Keegan didn't at least finish like top thirty or something, and he was a horror show. Is that when you go back to him this week? Yeah, probably. Because this is a good course too. He's coming in less ownership of um, and it's patchy here, right? Like it's not it's not like he plays well here every year. So he he's kind of up and down here. It's probably a good opportunity to play him. Um, and is he a little bit more expensive than people want to pay at nine for as well? Yeah, I play him over Hadwin. I I, I I get the Hadwin love, and I get why a lot of people like him. I just can't do it. I'm just well, Hadwin feels easy because it's not it's not a case of. You know, he's won here. It's not like a Burns who's won here for two years in a row and he's playing well. It's it's someone that's playing some of their best golf in recent history and the only place he's ever won is this golf course. So it makes sense that he'd come back here and win it again. You look at some of the people that have had a chance, like John Sendon's won here and finished second twice. Like He fits that kind of mould as someone that can kind of repeat a win here. Um, so I do really like him. But again, it's it's more of a safety factor. I don't I don't wake up on a Monday and go, I can't wait to bet Adam Hadwin and put him in my DraftKings lineups either. So, um, in that sense, I'd feel a lot stronger about like Davis Riley was the first person to me that, that sprung to mind. As soon mm-hmm. as I saw him play well at Honda and Bay Hill, I was like, I really want to play him at Valspar. Whatever happens, bet him. Um, I'm actually glad he didn't do anything um, at the players last week. It was a, a you know a 77 in the second round, but. Again, I think it's just a volatile golf course. I really like David Riley's chances here. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't. Is that, um, is that, is that a bias of you just don't like David Riley, or is there a significant reason why you don't like him? Well, the significant reason for me is I don't think he's as good as people think he is. Um, I, I agree with that. I don't. I don't think he's a player that people want him to be. But I think, as I said to you the other day, there's two places a year that I think David Riley's worth betting, and I think it's here in Colonial and. The, the crossover between this and Colonial is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I basically go as far to say that this is just the Florida Colonial. Because um, everyone kind of focuses on like John Deere and things like that, but Burns and Spieth have won both courses. Okay, you could just argue they're talented players. Sean O'Hare's won here, second at Colonial. John Sendon's won here, finished second twice, and has three top nines at Colonial. Davis Riley, second here, fourth at Colonial. Kevin Nair and Jason Kokrat, one at Colonial, finished second here. So to me, it's it's the perfect golf course for him 
And if he's going like, to show no signs of life at Bay Hill um, and the Honda, if he's going to transform that into anything, I think he needs to take advantage of this. And everything you hear about Davis Riley is he's going to win at some point. But if he's going to do it, it's going to be on Hero Colonial, I think. Yeah, I don't think he's going to win at some point. But he... <laughs> well, that makes sense, yeah. So like, if you, if you feel that way about play, you don't need to play him. I feel like you will win one because it just strikes me as like everything you look about Davis Riley, he, is, he actually hasn't been professional for that long. He's been, what, 20, 2019 is unprofessional. Yeah. But um, you know what's funny is if, if everyone who people said is going to get a win at some point yeah, got a win, there'd be 200 events a year. Yeah, it'd be ridiculous. Um, but this guy did win, again, twice on the corn for his or in 2020. He's obviously lost his playoff. He didn't play too badly. He was trying to back up a 62 on Saturday last year and shot 72. You could argue if you shoot 70 or 71, you win the tournament and it's not a problem. But... Um, I don't think it's a dead certainty like some people do, but I think here is his best chance. I'm trying to balance things out in the world. You need people like me saying, no, he's not that good. He's not going to play well because everyone else is saying he's going to play well. So I think whether if he plays well and, and everyone else is right, then great. And a lot of people are I right. I try and do that with Fleetwood. Like I, I yeah. just try and bring the misery. Um, and this <laughs> week I'm giving up. No, he, yeah. he deserves it. Uh, one person we didn't talk about there was Denny McCarthy. He was the only one we didn't mention or Brian Harmon, I guess. Anything on those two guys? I do like McCarthy. He played pretty well last week. Um, he's just, I don't know. I can't, I just think his ceiling is like 15th and I just can't play a guy whose ceiling is 15th. I like that. Um, Harmon, is he broken? He was good here last year, but he's been pretty shitty lately, hasn't he? Like he I think he's actually fundamentally broken. Um, cause I thought he might have a little bit of a bounce back last week at the players. Cause it's just like the perfect type of golf course for him where everyone else kind of struggles and he's even kill and, and does it. But did he... I think he made the cut right but didn't do anything special 44th he finished last week didn't break 70 so that's not enough for me to get excited about him on this golf course yeah final my close closing thoughts here on the 9k if i learned anything about doing this every week is that i think keegan bradley is gonna have a great week because the week when everyone's all over him last week he screws everybody now he's going to a place where he has some pretty good history his stats weren't bad last week either he still gained two over two strokes on approach yeah. now he now he's discounted you know think about if this was three weeks ago, who would be playing um, Riley and Hadwin at a higher clip than, than Keegan would be played? So I think it's one of those ones you close your eyes and go back to him, and I think uh, good things will happen. My opinion of Keegan Bradley this year is that he can contend for major championships, and if that is my opinion, then I probably should just play him here in the, hey, in the bad day. spot. Bad round. 8Ks. I don't love this. It starts with Justin Sir, who I do like 8-9, but I don't think I'm going to be alone in that. Are people going to be too scared to go to Woodland because of the putting? Yeah, I think um, he's definitely going to be discounted in this in this area. There's a lot of popular guys in this spot, so I think he's kind of getting overlooked a bit. I've bet him um, just because I think he's one of the few guys who if he does get in the mix, I have a, a little bit of faith that he can win. Yeah. Um, so we, we both love Sai. I guess there's no real reason to... Um, hash over too much, but his short game's great. He hits a lot of fairways. He's playing really well. He's finally shown that flash of what um, he was supposed to be coming out of college. So I think this is a golf course that should suit him. 11 cuts in a row if you take out his withdrawal, fifth and sixth in the two Florida events. Um, it's weird. I thought he'd be a West Coast guy, you know, being coming from USC and residing in Vegas, and all of a sudden he's playing really good golf in Florida. I think you just give him that last run right with woodland the, the ball striking is just there and everything you know everything we say about fleetwood everything we say about bradley moral cow etc when we see these guys ball striking we tend to want to play them and yes his putting is probably going to cost him winning 
but I think he can have a good week at eight six. Yeah, absolutely, he can. Um, I like his his ball striking has been incredible. He's first in the field in ball striking his last twenty four rounds. Yeah, he's just he's just awesome, t screen and, and approach. Um, so I, I do really trust him. It's just because obviously, do you think there's anything in that IK shown in recent weeks that switching to Bermuda hasn't necessarily helped him? But is there anything about coming back to the golf course you've won at when you're ball striking or you're ball striking just going like at least I know I can win here, so let's just putt, let's just have one good week putting. I think so. He's tinkering. He's, he had a new putter in the bag last week, um, and he lost another seven strokes putting. So <laughs> he, he's just completely lost with a putter. But, like, it reminded me of – remember when Henley, he just lost strokes putting, like, 15 weeks in a row, then he won Mayakoba? Yeah. Like, it, it can flip on really quick. And I think um, you just can't bet on the fact that his putter's bad. If his ball striking's there, it's there, and we just – you know, pray to God he, he makes some putts. Well, but this is how people bet, right? As they go, let's just follow the ball striking numbers. One way he's gonna he's gonna putt well, and and I'll win. And you know, I should probably take the same uh, approach to DFS this week with him. I I'm not worried about him sinking my teams as as I would be about some others. No, how about how about Wyndham Clark? Twenty six percent. Let me say this on the show here. I would rather cut off my own penis. <laughs> Then play Wyndham Clark at twenty six percent, and and why? By it's the just, way, like, uh, what is people's reasoning? I, okay, I get it. So according to my um, form here, if you look over kind of like the last eight weeks or so, ten weeks, he's the fourth best player in terms of form in the field. That's still fiftieth, thirty seventh, tenth, thirty third, thirty fourth, twenty seventh. Tenth is a peak performance. Uh, where even was that? Was that Phoenix? Yeah, Phoenix, and. Why do people think like do people think he's going to win? Is that that would be the question I'd ask? I mean, people are betting him. I think, you know, you, you, do you have friends who are like casual golf viewers and like they don't really deep into it like we are, but they'll tune in once in a while. I do, but I don't imagine they'd ever look at him and go, "Who's this Wyndham Clark guy?" So here's it for me: like there are people who kind of get into it, like the betting side of things, just starting to get into it really. So like yeah. basically, I, I they ask me who I like and I tell them, and then they um, reply without me asking. And say, uh, well, I like Wyndham Clark. That's how I know it's not a good bet anymore. Like we, we've crossed it over to the point where this is becoming so public for whatever reason that um, I don't think. Well, it's it's because you can go so and shout out to to Mike Miller who does some. You can go on like a on Smart Golf Bets's sheet and you can see that he's fourth in current form and played well here in once when he finished thirty seventh when he played well here. By the way. There's nothing about this golf course that's just Wyndham Clark would be good at. No, he's fourth in my model, uh, stat medal, so that makes a lot of sense. People are seeing this, like some of, fifth in ball striking, first in approach, tenth in greens and reg. Um, he's good at bogey, bogey avoidance. The only thing I would say is, like, skill set-wise, he, he's some, somewhat similar to Burns, right? Long off the tee, can putt. Um, I, I, I think he has no chance to win. Uh, he, he's my – and, you know, I've, I've done this every week for Action Network, and my picks have been really good lately. And I, every time I just pick the guy who's, like – the Wyndham Clark of this week. So yeah. last week, last week, um, you you pick a fade of the week. So it's everyone in action network. You pick a, the guy you're fading. Last week for me, it was Tom Kim, and he almost missed the cut. And then two weeks ago at API, it was Will Zalatoris, who everybody was all over. And I'm this week's gonna be Wyndham Clark, and it usually works out well for me. So I don't know. And I actually really like Wyndham Clark. Like I actually want him to win. Like, I like his skill set. I like what he does. I like the consistency when he puts it together. But there's just nothing. I don't go into this week. Whereas I went to Davis Riley and went, like, this is a good tournament for him. I don't look at Wyndham Clark and go, I think this is where he finally breaks through. I thought it was going to happen at Riviera or Phoenix, where he plays a lot of golf or, or whatever. I don't necessarily think that about 
um, the Valspar. Because he's not, he's not like a guy that, okay, he gets in a slightly weaker field and now he can win. It, he has a problem with winning no matter what the strength of the field is. Yeah, no. That's going to be an, a, a big time now for me. Just for the ownership, there's just no point. Um, so, we're, so we're going Woodland pivoting off of Wyndham Clark then. If, if Clark was 7K and he was 25%, I still wouldn't play him, but it would make sense to It would make he's, more sense. He's yeah. expensive. He's 8,800. Um, so yeah, Woodland definitely for me over him. Uh, people like Brandon Wu too, and I'm the biggest Brandon Wu guy out there. Um, and I'll tell you guys when it's time for Brandon Wu to win. And for me, this isn't it. So you're thinking kind of more coastal back yeah. on, you know, those kind of things. I would say... 33rd here last year, second round 65, 21st going into the final round, and just looks a little bit more reliable these days. 14th and 19th his last two starts in front. So I'd un- I'd actually understand playing Brandon Moon more than Wyndham Clark. Absolutely. And I'm not going to go up to, uh, to the extent of it with Clark. I'll guarantee Clark doesn't win right here. Um, but I won't do the same for Wu because I do think Wu is elevating into another the next tier of player to where. Yeah, he does have his specialties, but he's he's a good player and he can play well anywhere. And I do think that's the case. Didn't he come with a bit more of a pedigree as well? Yeah, he was a great great college player at Stanford. Yeah, uh, yeah so I, I I get it, I see it. People want to you know be on him, be the first one there. But for me, the number didn't you know betting wise didn't match up for me. And... Did, didn't like the betting number at all. But I, I I do think I can play him. And I guess Ben Griffin's gonna be popular in this range. Yeah, very popular. He's like makes a ton of sense though. Yeah, it makes I... you know what else makes a ton of sense. Why you have your flagship event, the Players Championship, and he's the guy you mic up walking down the 16th hole on on Saturday, Ben Griffin. That's what we all want to hear. There's shit going on all over the course. We want to hear Ben Griffin walking up the up and down. He's plus three on the day, easiest scoring day of the fucking year, and uh, you get Ben Griffin walking up and down with a headset on. Yeah, well, thanks. That's what we want. Didn't you know that he'd gone to be an attorney or something over the last two years? Yeah, that's great. Great. Um, but that, but that's yeah, what I find funny. So the story is great, right? Like the story is phenomenal like where he's come from to what he's doing now that doesn't mean he's a great story every week so. no especially at the players when all the best players are there uh you get a lot of stuff happening on the leaderboard but he's the guy you interview going up and and you know the pga tour acts like that like they're uh so cutting edge and hip from doing the interview the dp world tour has been doing that for five or six years and i still don't like the, it that much the, the dp world tour one's horrible because they're always walking up hills and they're always a little bit overweight so it's been nauseating like listening to like they always do portrait harrison he almost sounds like he's gonna die every single time he does one um, bobby, bobby mac just yeah, hopping and popping. yeah like, i feel so sorry for them like i would hate to give an interview whilst i can't breathe um probably doesn't do wonders for golf either that, that they're so out of breath and um, how about this my posting thing works every single week <laughs> what about posting this week no <laughs> Although he's very low owned, um, but I just think he's not he's really not, that good right now. He's not playing well. He's yeah. he's, he's he's gone. Like I, I, I thought it was going to be like course dependent and he'd be able to bounce back, but he's just not playing well. And when you look here, he's had a 14th and a 54th. He's also had two miscuts, and I think the miscut is far more likely than anything else um, at the moment. Taylor Moore keeps playing solid golf. There's nothing there's nothing to say negatively about Taylor Moore other than like there's probably a bit of a cap on 20th maybe. Yeah, he's a good ball striker, and that's kind of what you're looking for here. So I think that that makes some sense. Yeah, I like Taylor Moore a little bit. Yeah, I, th- I think he's worth playing because I think he's that slight bit more expensive that it puts people off. I just wonder if people were going to play Aaron Rye. It seemed like Aaron Rye withdrawing, by the way, saved a lot of people money this week because everyone was like, "He withdrew." Yeah, he withdrew. He's out. I didn't even know that. It's because you don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you care? No one should care. But there is so many people that are like it's Aaron Rye week. And then... He used to hide a dead body that he just took care of <laughs> yeah. with his two gloves. Doesn't he like 
have the worst like he's two gloves iron covers and a white belt yeah it's just he's looking at him on tv it's like oh god this guy like it's almost like he's gone you know i'm i'm encouraging you to punch me yeah no he's just do it (laughs) he's hiding i don't know what it is yet but i'm gonna find out he's hiding something um average golfer as well but anyway kh lee eight um kh lee i don't know no no not playing very well again, is he? Like he's he's gone off the boil. Um, I think people will just see KH Lee at 8K and just think he looks like a bit of an outlier because, like reputation-wise, recently he should be better than that. But I don't think his play deserves it, and it doesn't strike me as a cause that he should be good at either. Yeah, I think Woodland and I think Moore is a good play too. Yep, I agree. Let's jump into the sevens then. I think it's going to be a really important range. Benny Ann starts at seven nine. Victor Perez, if you believe in this kind of by the rhythms of Kitayama, Minwoo Lee. Um, it's probably Victor Perez's time. He's actually a really good course fit, I think, for this golf course. Um, if if the Fleetwoods of this world are going to be good here, I see no reason why Victor Perez wouldn't be. Um, so, hasn't played a bunch of golf, would be my slight hesitation on him. Uh, hasn't played for five weeks. But when he has played, first 28th, 13th. I was going to say, um, course fit-wise, it seems perfect for him. But it's just one of those i don't trust it like i i like it and i think he could play really well and i i agree like golf you know he's he's pretty accurate off the tee uh european players have played really well here but just something about it reeks to me i don't know what it is but i'm a little scared to go near it it's just the fact he hasn't played for so long is, is what bothers me but when he did when he was in the form that he's in now and he came over didn't he finish like top 10 that we finished ninth at the players uh he was 22nd at the pga championship so he's, he's definitely shown that he can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he finished fourth in that match play that year as well. So I think he's got the upside to do it. And I actually think he's almost got upside to win. It'd be, yeah. quite, it'd be quite amazing if he won all these years before Fleetwood did. But um, I think he's a good player at 7-8. I can see the hesitation, but I, I definitely like him. I would, I, all the things you said I agree with. I think he's a really uh, high-risk, high-reward play. Agreed. Uh, is Steven Yeager a better golfer than he gets credit for? Maybe, but people are starting to catch on to it this week, it seems like. I think yeah. model-wise, model, model wise, people are really liking that for him. Um, see, I yeah. just do this on feel Like, every every week, I seem to see him finishing 40th, 30th, 20th, like, just plodding along, never really looking like he's going to miss the cut, never looking like he's going to threaten. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't even look at him in terms of a model prospect, but to me, it just feels a little bit safe at 7-8. Yeah, he's a pretty shitty putter. But I mean, other... like, in reality, he's probably a bit of a shit golfer. Like he's yeah. he's, he's just not that good. And but he was 49th on his debut here, then missed two cuts. Maybe maybe the time's up. I don't know. I'd rather take a shot on a guy like Perez than play him. He feels almost too safe. Like yeah, you. I'm not playing to finish 48th. Yeah, and and I yeah definitely more upside in the Perez Vegas right below him. No, I think something's up with him physically and mentally. He mentioned he took a week off in the API because he was something going on uh, mental mental health stuff or or something, and then he also had the physical ailment uh, going on at the same exact time, and that's an uh, elevated event you're invited to, a lot of money. So like, I don't know. I think something's going on with him. So I'm I'm just gonna stay away. I imagine a lot of it is like he's been injured for so long and he's coming to the end of his career. Like it's a bit of a rush. Maybe he turned down a live contract or something, and then maybe regrets it. I don't know. There's there's definitely potential things for that. Um, People are going to want to do on Ludwig Aberg because people want to be on the shiny new thing. Uh, I want to be on the shiny new thing, but 
in terms of DraftKings, nobody's playing him. Then great, put um, him on there. Yeah, he's expensive. Which I, I, when I first looked at the pricing, I looked at a couple of prices just to make sure things were. Because um, I got like last week, one of my favorite plays was Jason Day, but everybody played him because he priced him way too cheap. Yeah, I think it was Aberg this week. Is he's so highly priced? Like I think seventy eight is a lot to pay for a guy who's unproven, uh, an unproven amateur. So he's looking at like three percent. I bet him to win it a hundred to one. He's the type of guy who I think, um, you know, fits well, should fit the course well. Right, he's a Swede. I think of. Um, you know, natural comparisons to Henrik Stenson in terms of his of his golf game. Didn't like Blix play here for one year as well. Really? Yeah, yeah. I I think it's a good course for him. I lo- I love what he did at API. I mean, twenty fourth in an elevated yeah. event. Stats are pretty good. Um, this is Should, the place. I think for- that was the worst he could have finished as well. That twenty fourth. Yeah, he, he he played great, and I think I, I love his pedigree. I've been following him for the last three or four years because, um, as you know, I d- identify as a European when it comes to the Ryder <laughs> Cup. I, so I'm always looking at the prospects. Who's coming up? Who's coming up? Um, so yeah, I think this is if there's a place where a young Swede could come through, Valspar seems like the spot. Yeah, he opened with a 65 in Dubai as well. So like he's just extremely talented. I think did Cantley play well here as an amateur? He was either an amateur or like one of his first professional events. He was very young. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was in contention, Cantley, and, and didn't win. And, and I'm not saying Freddie one minute that Aberg is definitely going to be as good as Cantley, but the pedigree seems similar considering he's been like one two in the. Uh, amateur rankings for a long time. It, maybe I'm wrong comparing him to Stenson, but I think like guy like that, don't have to be long. He just fairways, greens, and kind of pl- and ball strike your way around the golf course. How long is he? I don't know. It's a good question. Um, it's just so hard because it's such limited stats. I don't know if it's just like a small sample size, yeah. but right now I'm seeing he's about 310 driving distance, so that's pretty good. Yeah. Accuracy not as great. Um, but who? Yeah, but who knows? Yeah, I've got a couple of. My other sevens are, are way lower down in the things. Have you got any of these high sevens? High sevens. Um, let me just say real quick, actually, because I, I looked up his driving um, his driving distance from API and his, his starts on tour. So he gained 12 strokes on the field in driving distance. He lost 3.5 in terms of fairway. So maybe that's not a good comparison with the Stenson thing. But um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, he hits it pretty far. Uh, high sevens for me. I have. Nobody else that I was really looking at. I think Perez is very interesting. Um, and then mid-7s, like I, I think a guy here who a lot of people are going to like too, but once again, he's not showing as popular in the in the things as uh, Akshay Patia. I just wonder whether Patia needs a bit more of an open golf course. Like, he is, you're betting, like a bit of you're betting on the talent. I don't know if there's anything really about course fit that I like for him. Yeah. It's, it's, does, it's, does he seem a bit too wild? Yeah, he he's he's definitely wild. I agree with that. And he missed the cut here. And we talked about this. I mean, he was he was 19, but he didn't miss the cut here. Yeah, I I, I suppose the fact that he shot this like when you look at Honda, so he went 71, 65. The 65, I think, is just based on talent alone. 74, 69. I could see that happening again. Like just mm-hmm. getting through the cut, having a low round of the day. Kind of what I said about Minwoo Lee. Just talent takes over, has a low round of the day, but couldn't be super confident. Is what I would say. I think Nick Taylor's interesting, 7-6. So he's missed back-to-back cuts, right? But he was 13th after round one at Bay Hill and then shot the second round of 79. He went 74-75 last week, but he's been pretty steady here. He's had two 24th place finishes. He was 10th going into the final round on his debut. And then when he was 24 three years ago, he was 6th going into the final round. So he shit the bed when he's been in contention. But even last year, he finished 70th, but he was 34th going into the final day. So... Um, considering the kind of form that he showed at like Phoenix and things like that, I'm I'm impressed by Taylor. 
and the price. Yeah, makes some sense. Uh, you 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 like playing Taylor here and there. I never do, so I'm probably going to stick to not playing them. Yeah, um, I like backing losers perennially. So um, yeah, me too. But my my fleet was more expensive loser. So <laughs> um, Alex yeah. Smalley seems like a cheaper version of Taylor Moore. Yeah, but, he does. He ranked. He was first in my my model too for whatever reason. Yeah, I uh, I like Smalley long term. He's just not doing it at the moment. But I guess it's been some tougher events. Like we're talking about missing the cut of Riviera, missing the cut of Bay Hill, missing. Oh, he made the cut last week of the players, but didn't play great. I mean, it's they're big events. Maybe this is just more his wheelhouse for the time being. Yeah, he's played these um, other courses kind of well, like the uh, Houston Open, RSM. He's played Wyndham well, which always gets compared to the John Deere, and John Deere always gets compared to this. So I think that's yeah. Like a, a long convoluted way of saying he's got a good chance of, of doing something here. Yeah, but I'm I'm still probably not incredibly interested. No, I'm not bothered either. Uh, Eric Cole, Ryan Gerard, and David Lingmurf all there at seven three, all of interest, I think. Yeah, Cole to me makes the most sense of the way he's playing. I think he's playing really well, and plus the way he's shown he can do well in Florida. But he's going to be the most popular of the three by a significant margin, so yeah. that leads me kind of away from him a little bit. Although. I do think he's a pretty good play. Yeah, I think I think it's a bit of a safety one at the lower range. And then Trey Malinax interests me at seventy two hundred. Yeah, I bet him at one hundred and twenty to one, something like that. Um, he played well here, eighth. What was that? Two or three years ago? Yeah. In case and he's eighth two weeks ago. Arnold Palmer. Only, and I think we we've kind of said this a couple of times on the podcast now. Like ever since he won, he seems to have just stuck around most weeks. And there's a guy who was playing great. He won last year a smaller event, but then he was playing great in the playoff stretch. Like, how many guys in this field are you getting at this price that actually has that upside? So, I like I do like that about him. He did shoot in 85 on Friday. Yeah, maybe he was just so bad that we just can't go to him. But I mean, I'm going to take a chance at seven two. There's there's nothing else down here that I really like. So he's like uh, a burn skill set too. Yeah. Anything else you like in the low sevens? Um, Six is going to get really thin really quick. S H Kim. No. It's just a name, isn't it? Like, yeah. Fine. Yeah, he uh, sucks. Never mind. I <laughs> thought he was playing well. I, I thought I saw his name on the leaderboard, but I guess I didn't. Let's go into the sixes then. Uh, are we giving Luke Donald any chance of rolling back the ears here? No. Okay. So I'm struggling now. Because you've kind of got... I like Lucas Glover. He, he came up to me in, in my research. I just liked him. I thought... He looks good for his golf course. He has played well consistently here without really making much of a dent. And he's capable of just... Like, if you think about the random players that can just spike in a bit of a weaker field, Lucas Glover strikes me as that one. Yeah, he can. You can also definitely torpedo your lineups. He's uh, not very trustworthy, but he... Like, I think he could... I mean, his his upside is winning. Right? Well, so, so two years ago here, he was uh, 48th. And he was third going into the weekend. He was 13th and he was ninth going into the weekend the year before. He was 74th where he was 30th going into the weekend. He was 18th the year before where he was 7th going into Sunday. He's been 24th where he's been 10th going into Sunday. Um, He really likes his golf course until he gets to Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He's a guy when when he gets it going well, he gets it going really well. And he gets it going bad, it starts snowballing. So... It's tough, but um, yeah, I could, I could see it. Sixty-seven hundred. I just, I just think that's actually too cheap considering the the landscape of, of what we're facing here. If it was any other week, then no. But I mean, he made the cut 
last week in a much better field. He was actually 12th after round one, 32nd after round two. And when you go back to Phoenix as well, he was 39th. I know he's missed two cuts in between there, but they shot 70-74 Riviera to, I think, probably miss the cut by one. Um, Arnold Palmer slightly different, but yeah, I think he's. I think there's some upside for Lucas Clover. Yeah, there is. Um, I was going to say my guy Nico, but he's pretty awful other than Puerto Rico. Nico Echeverria. Yeah. Yeah, that's just not for me. It's, uh, he's, he seems a bit wild. What about the other Wu, Dylan Wu? Uh, he seems to be somewhat popular. Um, I think people think just him and Brandon Wu are like the same player. Yeah, they just but, think, oh, I'm getting the cheaper version. Yeah, the name's the same. They look kind of similar. Um, he but, missed the cut here on debut last year, but not not dramatically. He shot 70-71, and he's in really good current form, you know, relatively speaking. Um, 32nd missed cut, 29th, 10th, 48th, 35th. I like it. 6800. Yeah. A guy I was looking at is uh, Vincent Norman. Yep. Who he is that ball, you know, that international ball striking pedigree that has done well here in the past. He was 63rd at Honda, but he did gain 2.4 approach. He's definitely a really bad putter. Uh, he was good in Puerto Rico, 21st, which may or may not mean anything, but I think he's a guy who would actually think has a little bit of upside here. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I like that as well. Um, we're in Florida again. Maybe Brink Grant can go back, but oh, this sucks. The, 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 the range just sucks when you get here. Carl Stanley didn't turn into anything at the Puerto Rico Open, so I need to go back to that experiment again. Um, I think I'm done. So anyone else that you've got? I'd like to say fuck Harrison Endicott because <laughs> last week, I mean, so I, I I made eight lineups. That's what I usually play each week, So which I guess we um don't really talk about it on the show but it might be relevant but i feel like eight laps a week um single entries night and i throw them all in like a, a bigger huge you know five dollar contest or whatever yeah. so the, at the time the six out of six percentage was under two percent okay so i uh and i had i would have had five out of eight six out of sixes if rom didn't withdraw because i ended up playing them because of ownership but i had three really really good ones um that all my worst guy in each one was either even or plus one so the cut was at plus at plus one. I was great. All you needed was one of Endicott, Henley, who had a par five ahead of him. Um, who else was it? Cole on 18 could have made a birdie. There was like five guys who could have made a birdie. And every single one of them just completely shit the bed. Uh, and the cut would, have, cut would have stayed at plus one. I would have been in the one or 2% range. I would have won a lot of money. Instead, all those guys completely shit the bed, fall down the leaderboard, plus twos make it. Not to mention, if Ron didn't withdraw, the plus twos wouldn't have made it either. Um, and uh, so it ended up being like 18%, six out of six. So it was really tough to make any any uh, ground over the weekend. Also, that allowed Hoagie to shoot the course record, vault into the top five, and knocked, my, knocked Justin Suh from fifth to sixth. And I, I had a 35 to one top five on Suh. So fuck Harrison Indicott. Yeah, so that, that's my conclusion. Yeah, makes sense. I agree with all that, and I wasn't even involved. Yeah. Um, I played Matthias Schwab here last year, I think. I did too. I I, I was I looking back through my him. thing. Yeah. And I think we, we must have talked about him on the show because yeah. I, was like, I never played him, but he was on my write-up. And also, he's making cuts again, and it should be good, of course. But I, I guess probably just learned a lesson from last year. I'm clutching at straws at this point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's dicey, it's dicey. Uh, but he has made three cuts in a row, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Probably not, though. No. Uh, are people going to Smotherman just based on last week? 
Oh, man. They can do it. Uh, I'm not. But... Yeah, no, I don't know. if they. Let me see. What price is he? 65. 65. 66, sorry. Some others, man. No, uh, he, like somewhat, 3 or 4%, which is somewhat reasonable down here, but uh, not as much as I thought it was going to be. Everyone's going to John Vanderlaan. <laughs> Why? Because yeah, he, I think he, he's, he's strung some finishes together. I think he was good in Puerto Rico. Um, a couple stats that I ran, he was like really high up in there. Um, he's got he's so he's finished seventh in Puerto Rico, but before that he was missed the cut, two missed cuts in a row in Corn Ferry, and finished seventeenth. I think he's a guy that probably just plays these island things. You look at Bermuda thirty fifth, Bahamas twenty first, Bahamas seventeenth, missed cut Panama, missed cut Astoria Golf, seventh Puerto Rico. Let's save Vanderlaan for when he's going to play some sort of wild, maybe the Mexico Open. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I have no clue who he even is. is yeah, that... I, I didn't know he existed until this week. Yeah. yeah, so. Uh, other, any other guy's popularity? Eric Barnes, a tiny, tiny bit. Um, that's Oh, 4% down here. You got Bryce Garnett. Yeah, I think... just clicked on him, interestingly enough. I don't hate it. Yeah, he get, you got to play him on pass pal. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what about Kyle Westmoreland? 39th at Bay Hill. Oh, that's pretty good. Um, 29th at Pebble 27th at Houston there's some tough golf courses where he's played well yeah he makes some sense he's he's gained on he's approach well. approaches are good as well I think yeah yeah it seems like an okay play down here if you really want to get down here but I'm not playing any the guys in the 10k so I can I can live without it unless yeah. I play a little bit of Fitz I'm out so if we had to play one in the 10k who is it going to be Fitz yeah I'm just going to go Fitz for ownership and pivot purposes I agree with Fitz. 9K, you've talked me into Fleetwood, but my favorite play is Riley at 9 flat. Yeah, uh, for me, it's your, your tournament winner, Tommy Fleetwood, first time in the U.S. I hope so, for everybody's sake. Uh, in the 8K range, I like Gary Woodland at 8.6. I like I love Woodland, I like Saar. Yeah, I like Saar too. Uh, 7K, I'm going to go with Nick Taylor at 7.6 with a shout to Perez, who has winning upside at 7-8. I'm going to go with the big, sexy Swede, Ludwig Aberg. <laughs> also, what about Trey Mullinex, 7-2? I think is a lower option. I think it's good. Same. And I'm gonna, well, I'm going to go uh, Aberg and, and Batia, although I think Batia is definitely a little risky. Um, I like him more, I think, as a bet. I like Aberg better as a, as a DraftKings play, and I like, um, I like Cole down there, too, even though he's a little bit popular. Yeah, I agree with every single one of those sentiments there, which is, is nice. Uh, Dylan Wu at 6.8 and Lucas Glover at 6.7 in the 6K ranges for me, with maybe a bit of Carl Westmoreland sprinkled in if you're really desperate at 6.2. I'll go Vinny Norman. Vinny Norman. That's it. We are scraping the barrels this week. <laughs> Matt, that was a long one. I feel like that's probably one of the longest. I don't know if we, we chatted a little bit before we came on as well, um, so maybe that's why it feels longer. But long and uh, enjoyable hopefully a good week hopefully you can't get ruined by and i guess unless justin thomas comes along and learns how to play golf again but uh, i don't want to I, think about it i wouldn't bank on that yeah let's go tommy let's go tommy come on all right that'll be the only time i ever cheer him on by the way yeah um, <laughs> I, I need it this week so good good excellent thanks matt